0: The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.
1: Welcome to Conscious Evolution Radio with your host, Anne Gelsheimer. We are entering higher levels of consciousness with both old and new spiritual technologies to help us be the people we've always dreamed of being. We can make the choice to evolve in consciousness and become the change the world needs today. Now, here is Ann Gelsheimer.
2: Welcome to Conscious Evolution Radio. The focus of this show is primarily on paths and practices related to the development of higher consciousness, and today's show is no exception. Today we're going to look at the practice of telling the truth as a path to higher consciousness. In particular, the truth about the reality of contact with extraterrestrial beings. Now, if you personally have never seen mysterious lights in the sky or experienced other phenomena that suggested the presence of extraterrestrial beings, then it may not surprise you that on November 4th, 2011, the President's Office of Science and Technology Policy made the following official statement. The U.S. government has no evidence that an extraterrestrial presence has contacted or engaged any member of the human race. In addition, there's no credible information to suggest that any evidence is being hidden from the public eye. But if you have seen or experienced something that that is not readily explained by natural phenomena or by conventional technology, you are in very good company. Other witnesses to UFOs have included Presidents Jimmy Carter and Ronald Reagan, astronauts Gordon Cooper and Buzz Aldrin, Senator Richard Russell, former Canadian Minister of Defense Paul Hellyer, U.S. Army Intelligence Officer Lieutenant Philip Corso, and many other famous persons such as John Lennon, Muhammad Ali, and Mick Jagger. The fact is, There are so many highly credentialed persons from government agencies, military, private corporations, and commercial airlines that are willing to testify that they have direct knowledge of an extraterrestrial presence engaging us on Earth. And yet, the official response from the President's office remains a denial of the presence of any evidence to indicate that we've been contacted by extraterrestrial beings. Now, my guest today, Stephen Bassett, is a political activist and a leading advocate for ending the 67-year government-imposed truth embargo regarding an extraterrestrial presence engaging the human race. He is the executive director of the Paradigm Research Group, also known as PRG, which produced a citizen hearing on disclosure at the National Press Club in Washington, D.C. in the spring of 2013. Steve has also spoken to audiences around the world about the implications of formal disclosure of the extraterrestrial presence and has given over 1,200 radio and television interviews. PRG's advocacy work has been extensively covered by national and international media. PRG has just launched a congressional hearing initiative seeking the first hearings on Capitol Hill regarding the ET issue since 1968. And so I'm so pleased to welcome you, Steve, to Conscious Evolution Radio.
3: It's nice to be with you, Anne.
2: So please, uh, when I looked at all the things you've done, I, I'm, it's quite amazing. You've been in the field advocating for nearly 20 years. I'm curious, what made you decide to dedicate yourself to, to advocating for the official government disclosure of extraterrestrial presence?
3: It was the issue that most uh, appealed to me. It was the... Um... The issue that I consider the most important in the world, I mean, there's obviously many, many issues out there, many areas that need to be addressed uh, to improve the, the lot of the human race uh, or the biosphere. I mean, some people head down to the Antarctic and sign on with the Sea Shepherd and go saving whales. Others join the Peace Corps. Mm-hmm. Uh, I chose this issue of... Uh, and the decision was made in the winter of late in 1995. Um, so it was just an intellectual choice. Um, look, I was a sci-fi buff as a kid. I studied physics in college, so was science-oriented and all that. I mean, there, there, was a, there was sort of a, a background that led me to that choice, but that's choice I made. And um, uh, it helped that no one was really doing that. There was just virtually no, what I would call, formal political engagement of the issue at all. Um, so I sort of had to field to myself. <laughs> right. <So> that, <laughs> okay. it, was like, it was like it was a hole in the line there for me to run through. And so I figured, well, yeah, why not run through that? <laughs> so that's what I did.
2: Now, I know a lot of the listeners um, may not be familiar with this field. Uh, some of them are coming in with an interest in higher consciousness, but this is great. This is education. Can you give us sort of a, a quick history of what you've been doing to try and bring this issue forward politically? I know, it's huge.
3: Uh, um, boy. the, the it, it, It's been a difficult uh, issue to advocate, um, without question. There are special problems facing this advocacy work that, that doesn't exist uh, in any others, at least not that I'm aware of. Uh, well, I suppose there are a couple, but nothing that we'd commonly known the um, <laughs> the great the great advocacy movements of the twentieth century are relatively well known uh the civil rights movement in the united states, the independence movement in india, which really stood stood in for the entire uh, effort to for countries to free themselves of the colonial. Uh, rule that had developed in the first half of the 20th century it actually had actually been developed for several hundred years. You had the civil rights or what I guess you call anti-apartheid movement in South Africa. You had the women's rights movement in the United States, and of course elsewhere in the world, but certainly well followed in the United States. You had the gay rights movement. Um, uh, these are, uh, uh, and of course you had the anti-war movements. Um, Primarily, the Vietnam War was the key one that kind of became the symbol 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 for all anti-war movements uh, in the United States. These are all pretty well known, right? However, they all had one thing in common. They had, well, one of the things they had in common was that there was no uh, question uh, on either side of the issue. Meaning, the citizen advocates or the governmental authorities that were being challenged about what the issue was, right, right. It, it wasn't like you know. I mean, the, 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 the governors of the southern states and others opposed to uh, integration uh, were fully aware that there was segregation and they knew what the issue was. There were people that wanted a civil rights act and so forth. There was no question about the bar side. Uh, 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 laws in uh, South Africa and so forth and so forth in this case the United States government and in, with, in, in, in conjunction with that all of its allied powers from World War II and also the two uh, other major um, uh, countries in the world who are not who certainly were not allies of the United States during the 20th century uh, Soviet Union and China All of these countries have officially, either through lack of any comment statement or by official statements, have denied the very existence of the issue that we are advocating for. Right. There are no extraterrestrials. There is no evidence for that, and therefore there is nothing to advocate for. That is extraordinary. And, of course... Makes advocating very, very hard. Um, So, uh, so in a sense that this twenty years, what what PRG has been trying to do is find a way to overcome that rather profound um, component or aspect of this particular. Issue: How do you how do you get people behind an issue their own government claims doesn't exist in the first place?
2: And then when you add to that the ridicule factor that's been built in, that's you know um, people just laugh at the issue, um, especially if they haven't had any experience of it directly.
3: Well, well the, the 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 denial, the ridicule, the, the, the truth embargo, which is the sum total of everything that. government has done and everything that has been done as a result of that by non-governmental institutions stems directly from that fundamental denial. So I go right back to that. That's the the core point here. The government denies there's anything at all. Now the effect of this, of course, is thousands and thousands and thousands of books will be written about the history of this issue, the government the exopolitical aspects of this issue, the government involvement, the scientific aspects of it uh, between forty seven and uh, and 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 disclosure whenever that comes, and then even more thousands of books are going to be written about. The post-disclosure world. This is the most important and the largest issue of the 20th century, and there were some pretty big issues in the 20th century. But of course, it's not recognized as such because, as I've just stated, there is no issue. Uh, now, again, this is—it's really hard to find the words to properly describe this situation. It is, of course, uh, in the simplest terms. It is the, the the classic fable of the emperor's new clothes. Exactly, Which, said, like all fables, is, has meaning that the uh, larger meaning uh, stated in a, in a very simple way. But the idea uh, of uh, the, the the advisors to the emperor uh, had a problem because his new suit of clothes didn't arrive, and they had, actually had to have him go before the people, and so they they went out and and, and said. You know the the nacre, the 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 Emperor strutted naked out in front of the people, and the advisors were all proclaiming, "Don't you love the emperor's new clothes uh, now that seems kind of trivial, and of course most people would find it rather absurd uh, and uh, and as a fable, amusing, but that's exactly what the United States government has done on a vast global scale,
2: exactly the emperor
3: yes. has new clothes. The emperor is, in fact, completely naked. In the fable, it was a small child that raised his hand and said, I think he's naked, right, causing all kinds of manner of and upset. So uh, the advocacy movement regarding the most important issue in history, and certainly in the 20th century, pretty much had to take the, the position, the role of that little child in the fable. Somehow, we've had to try to raise our hand and point out to the Congress, to the President, to the press, to all of the colleges and universities, to the philanthropists, to the public in general, to the think tanks, that the emperor is, in fact, completely naked. And I don't know exactly what happened at the end of that fable, but it has taken 67 years, 68 years, to maneuver to a point where I believe these institutions are about to fall in line and acknowledge that. Now, it's implicit in the fable that the reason the people went along with it wasn't because they were all deaf, dumb, and blind. They went along with it because, as is the manner of emperors and empires and monarchs, that have absolute rule. If you don't go along with what the Emperor wants or what the Emperor's advisors want, they will hang you, behead you, burn you at the stake, burn your village to the ground, kill your children and wife, kill all your flock. Because they could, because they have absolute power. Well, that's what's happened here. Since nineteen sixty or forty seven Right. Huge numbers of institutions and people have gone along with this fable because they feared the imp- massive power, not absolute, pretty impressive, of the United States government. Now, Steve, That's I- the situation we're faced. That is what the PRG has been trying to do uh, in every manner it could. From holding conferences to running for Congress, hall meetings, interviews, press releases, updates, websites, Facebook pages, uh, speaking tours, and of course the Citizen Hearing on Disclosure, Congressional Hearing Initiative, and on and on and on. And others have done, there have been press conferences, witnesses have been gathered and organized in a number of instances, there have been hundreds of documentaries made, and on and on, and books and research, and on and on and on and on and on. And on. And one thing you can say about the last 67 years with respect to the United States government and those who have chosen to lead it is that they've been consistent in two ways, to be sure. They have been very consistent into ensuring that the United States, its people, and its military were almost continuously at war, and, two, that the United States government would continue to suppress undermine and withhold the truth about the most important issue in the world. And when you look at those two consistencies, if you look at those two policies, it's not too difficult to see why after winning World War II and embarking on one of the great technological trends in history and wealth increases that 68 years after World War II, instead of being well on our way To an extraordinary society and extraordinary, I think, developments within the global communities, we find ourselves in an absolute moment.
2: Okay, so we're going to take a break right here. Um, And when we come back, uh, we're going to take a look at why this is the most important issue of the 20th century. This is Ann Gelsheimer on Conscious Evolution Radio, and we'll be right back.
0: Invite meaning and inspiration to your life. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel.
2: For 27 years,
1: Kidstar has empowered thousands of kids across the country. And now
2: we have the opportunity to empower children around the world.
1: Kidstar is announcing a new radio show called Voyage Earth. Voyage Earth will empower kids from across the world. Kidstar has created a Kickstarter
0: campaign just for this new undertaking. By pledging to Kickstarter... You pledge for a future of empowered people to come. My name is Lindsay Marie from Bookworms. I want to thank you for being a backer
4: of our Kickstarter.
3: Kickstarter, we empower kids.
5: Are you a spiritual seeker? Have you always pondered the deeper questions in life? Have you looked at many spiritual paths and found some answers, but are looking for more? The Open Door. Brought to you by the Summit Lighthouse Brings you each week practical spiritual teachings And tools that promote self-mastery, higher consciousness And the opportunity to connect with the ascended masters Join Tom Schumacher and Terry Kennedy As we explore the universe of spirituality Live every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern Time On the 7th Wave Channel
0: Visionary. This is the Voice America Seventh Wave Channel.
1: You are tuned in to Conscious Evolution Radio, and we love to hear from you. Please send any questions or comments about the show via email to Conscious Evolution Radio at gmail.com. Again, that's Conscious Evolution Radio at gmail.com. Now, back to this week's program.
2: And this is Anne Gelsheimer. You're listening to Conscious Evolution Radio. And my guest today is Stephen Bassett. And we are talking about the truth embargo that's been going on since the Roswell crash in 1947. So, Steve, could you explain for us why this issue is the most important one in the 20th century, if not in all of history?
3: No, it, in history. It's the most important issue in history. Um, well, it's a subjective obviously comment, sure. you know, there are those that would argue, I'm uh, sure, I would be happy to argue with any anyone in a proper setting um, over that, though it's ultimately not important. In other words, what is it, it, what's important is the issue itself and what it means. So whether it's the most important in all of history is not so important. However, uh, for the sake of enlighten you know, enlightening people will we'll talk about it. Uh, uh, this, I suspect very strongly that, uh, in a few words, this is where we are right now uh, and, and uh, within the context of the entire history of life on the planet. In other words, we've gone several billion years Um in which life has emerged on this planet and evolved, very possibly, and there has been, almost certainly, there has been visitations and interactions between our biosphere and other life forms, other interstellar traveling life forms. Obviously, if, if they're not able to travel between stars, they didn't engage with us, but those that could have probably been and visited this planet before going back as far as you want to go. Well and good. All right. Uh, So that's been happening. After this interminable length of time, this vast length of time, about 10,000 years ago, possibly a bit before some cataclysm took place, which we don't fully yet understand, but not much longer than that, we finally began what we'll call a civilization learning curve. That is a brief. moment it 's a if a second in historic and geological time, but it began about ten thousand years ago, and as we know, we have been on a rapidly increasing almost steepening technological development curve, which has led us to where we are today and so I believe in the last 10,000 years, the contact and, and, and inter- interaction between, again, our planet and ETs continued through that time. And there's uh, we there's have certainly evidence, evidence of what, that. We have evidence for that. But obviously, as you go back 100, 500, 1,000, 5,000 years, it's it's very difficult, obviously, to, to, to have any precise understanding of it. But I very much strongly suspect that's happened. Okay, so far, so good. That's all pretty cool, pretty notable. And a lot of things have happened in the last 10,000 years, uh, for those who didn't sleep through history class like I did. (laughs) And then we come to the center, uh, the middle of the 20th century. And after all of these billions of years of evolution, we arrived at a rather important point, where a particular species on the planet, Homo sapiens sapiens, had become sufficiently smart, sufficiently dexterous with their, with their fingers and toes to invent, create, and understand the science of the world to a point where they could split atoms and convert mass to energy. This is an absolutely profound milestone. The turning it took point. several billion years to get to that point. It's not a trivial um, state of change. And the reason it's not trivial is because the nature of uh, physics is that it only takes the equivalent of about the weight of a dime, if you know what a dime is like, little dime, that coin, about one-third of that dime, the weight of one-third of that dime, if you can convert it to energy completely, will blow up an entire city. And of course, that's exactly what we did with Nagasaki and Hiroshima. Right. We then went on to create bombs that could blow up 100 cities at once, up until and including the largest bomb ever done, which is the 100 megaton bomb done by the Soviet Union. So with that, we had crossed a threshold in which the human race which had taken 7 billion years to arrive at that point now had the power to destroy everything it surveyed pretty much all of large scale human life capable of polluting the atmospheres, the oceans making the planet virtually radioactive and at this point only two years, approximately, actually less than that, it was approximately uh, about uh, 16 months. After those bombs were dropped on Hiroshima, the extraterrestrial engagement of this planet dramatically shifted, and we started to have mass sightings all over the world, meaning their activity changed in, in both quantity and perceivability. Something had happened. Right. And we spent 68 years trying to figure out what that something was. And the reason we haven't figured it out is because the government has stepped in to block us from knowing what we needed to know. It may very well be there are individuals in the government that do know in some detail what happened, why that change took place in 1947. Or maybe they don't know it completely. Maybe they know more than us, but they still don't have the full understanding. We don't know for sure, but that something happened. Sixty-eight years later, those who have been studying this issue now for a while, to various degrees or another, have arrived at some conclusions about that. And these conclusions will prove right or wrong in due course. And I have a model that I work with from that is basically a speculative model filled with X number of facts and then a certain number of extrapolations. That's what models are. Right. I'm comfortable with that model. And what that model has told me, or what that model is for me, is that the reason that change took place in 1947 was because once we crossed the threshold of converting mass to energy and being able to do so at will and in significant a significant degree. The engagements of extraterrestrials and the human race had to change in such a way that in relatively short order, the human race would, for the first time, engage openly as by extraterrestrials in a time when we were fully able to understand what we were dealing with. In other words, it's one thing for extraterrestrials to engage human beings 25,000 years ago. At that time, it's another thing for them to engage us in the 20th century or in the second half of the 20th century because when they did, we would know what they are and that engagement would be recorded and known for all time, and so essentially that's a formal that's it. That's that's the difference between being engaged and getting married. <laughs> right? At that point, it's all formalized. It's all real. And so that had to take place. And what has gone on is that in the 68 years since Roswell, or since the early sighting, explosion of sightings, is that the ETs are doing their thing. They are doing work. They're taking care of certain business. They are... Uh, it, may, it may be they're continuing what they've done in the past, or they've expanded some of their actions and activities, um, but these things are being accelerated even in lieu of the fact that this kind of open contact is coming. And then secondly, on the planet, uh, a couple of things were happening. One, we somehow had to manage to not have a nuclear war, which would have been ended it all so we had that problem to deal with. We had the problem of dealing with the fact that the ET presence was known, it was being seen, right, and had the potential to, quote, become a very big deal, and the governments chose to, to suppress it. Right? so they're, they're dealing with that. And then in general, the level of public awareness about extraterrestrials as extraterrestrials, not as mythological creatures or gods or whatever else ancients wanted to portray them as. But as extraterrestrials, exactly what they are, star-faring entities with sentient, sentience capable of moving between planets. Uh, that was underway. And after 68 years, the awareness of the idea of extraterrestrials is almost universal in the world. That's a pretty good public awareness program. Um, if you were a business and uh, the entire world knew the name of your business, you would be very, very wealthy. So and that, all of that was going on, leading to what? Leading to the inevitability of disclosure. And disclosure is the goal of the advocacy movement. Disclosure is the formal acknowledgement of the extraterrestrial presence. It is the king, the queen, the pope, the heads of state, going to the people and saying, yes, there are extraterrestrials. They are visiting here. They're engaging us. We've known about it. It's real. And you know, do not be afraid, or whatever else they want to say. That's a disclosure. Now, Steve, and then disclosure yeah. in my model, mm-hmm. once that has taken place, and then the human race is no longer being suppressed or prevented from learning as much as it can about the reality of these ETs and the history of it. Mm-hmm. Which in our modern era of high technology and computers and everything else wouldn't take a very long time. Open contact takes place when the ETs actually openly engage us as a civilization, the cameras turned on, photos ops being made, and what follows that, I believe, is some sort of um, in, in doc, not, in, not indoctrination, but inclusion in some kind of political structure that exists amongst those entities that are dealing with us. So you're talking disclosure, open contact, uh, extra-political engagement. Now, if there's anybody that wants to make the case... That the process leading to full open contact with non-human, sentient beings able to travel between the stars and an involvement, a political, social-political engagement with them where we are part of a larger structure that extends beyond the Earth. If anybody wants to make the case that that is not as important as some other issue they wish to put forward, I would love to hear that issue. So that's my answer.
2: That's an excellent answer. And it it does raise the question, which I was trying to discuss with my brother, I have to say, over Christmas dinner, why in the world would the government block this information from coming out? And how have they done that?
3: Well, they've uh, they've done it by, by applying enormous resources, effort, time to it. Uh, It was a major policy of the U.S. government. It still is. Uh, And it's like asking, how how did we go to the moon? How how were we able to send men to the moon? Well, we spent billions of dollars and and worked very hard for eight years, and we got them there. Um, You work hard, and you apply intellect and resources. You can do a lot of things. Well, that's what the government did with the truth embargo. They spent a fortune on it. Now, why did they do it? I've been asked this a thousand times, and I'm um, sure, only you know we don't we don't have the government's you know position on this because obviously there's no they're not PT, talking, so there can be no position on it. <laughs> okay. But I, I, I've got a pretty good idea, and it's part of my working model, and i and I'll restate it. Happy to restate it. The reason that uh, starting in the late 1990s, I but really, and I was able to do this because I, I've, I have focused, my career in this has been focused on media uh, engagement. Others, obviously, have, you know, focused in other ways. So I, my job is to get a media, get, get in front of every microphone and camera that I could and I have. So because I was getting an enormous amount of media uh, time, I was, you know, in a position to maybe influence particularly language and co- concepts. Uh, and one of the goals I had was to get rid of the term UFO cover up. Uh, UFO cover up is a bad term for two reasons. One, the term UFO is anachronistic. In fact, it's a uh, well, it's simply a non sequitur, anachronistic. It's, it's bogus and it's it's not nonsense. And the government is what it created that term. Uh, unidentified flying object, meaningless statement. And cover up was invalid. wasn't. It wasn't cover up. Uh, you know, Cover-up implies when you uh, you hide illegal activity from, from from the public and from the judicial system in order to avoid penalty. Uh, that's not what they did. Um, they, they weren't covering up UFOs. They, they, they were dealing with extraterrestrials, and they knew it. Uh, they prob- exactly when the government first knew there were extraterrestrials is not clear, but the case can be made. It even predates World War II. Uh, but we know for certain they knew by July forty-seven. Right. and that's that's soon enough'm close enough and they so what they instituted was a national security policy to contain this issue and that policy remains today and and it was completely legal no question it was legal um uh, even without the National Security Act of forty seven it would have been legal, but once you pass that act, it's absolutely legal. And so it was policy, and that policy is truth embargo. Just like the policy to embargo Cuba right. in nineteen sixty two was a was a policy of the government, perfectly legal. So it was a truth embargo, it was a legal policy of the government. All right. Why did they do it? Actually the reason I believe is not complicated. Uh The extraterrestrials made their move in early 1947 and started mass engagement of the planet. Uh, If not dramatically increasing their activity, they they, they increased their being seen doing what they're doing. I think they also increased their activity. So sightings are turning up all over the world. Um, This increased activity, one way or another, led to a couple of crashes. Uh, I guess you get enough things flying around, something's going to happen. And and they did. And you had several crashes occur in New Mexico. Total number of crashes were not clear. Uh, There have been more than one or two. Uh, Ryan Wood wrote a book, uh, which the name escapes me right now, I think. I'm not sure the name, but it's Ryan Wood. He wrote a book where he, he provides some evidence for about 75 possible crashes. In any event. As of forty-seven, they knew it So here's the situation. It's July of 1947. And the very smart, very capable members of the United States, military and uh, nascent uh, intelligence services, who had just defeated the Axis powers and were held in extremely high regard by the American people and the rest of the Allied world, were faced with this situation. One, there was an Iron Curtain across Europe... The Soviet Union had taken huge portions of Europe as part of the spoils of war and and instituted an ideological uh, 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 government, a ruling power that was in opposition to the Western democracies. They knew that the Russians had the atomic bomb secrets and were already working on an atomic bomb, which they would mm-hmm. soon test. They also knew by of July forty-seven that they had gotten the hydrogen bomb secrets and were working on a hydrogen bomb or a fusion bomb.
2: Right, and we're going to go to break have in a minute. So just, our,
3: uh-huh. Yes,
2: yes. Yeah, sorry, just letting you know we're going to go to break in a minute. I just, if you could, okay. Just, I know you're so, going.
3: Yeah, uh, yeah, uh, and I'll, I'll use that minute. I'll just and and so. Our military was under the clear thinking that the next war was in the works. World War III was coming. It would be with the Soviet Union, and it would be nuclear, and that would be a catastrophe. And at the same time, they know that there's extraterrestrials here. They've got at least one, if not several, of their crash vehicles and all that that can, you know, implications of that. They have dead bodies and they have a live extraterrestrial, at least one. They don't know what the ETs want. They don't know where that's going to go. And so, for national security reasons, they said this must be a massively, uh, this must be a high national classified matter. Until we know where the Soviet Union is going, we know what, what, what the risk of nuclear weapons are going to be, and we know what's going on with ECTs. And they instituted, started formalizing in '52 what we call the truth embargo, a policy of full containment from the American people, a very difficult policy to maintain. It was an enormously difficult challenge. And that policy was going to last until they felt it was safe enough to tell us but what they didn't know is the Cold War was going to last 44 years, cost right. $20 trillion between the, all the nations involved. And by the now time we're it gonna, was over we're, in late sorry, we're 1991, the here. truth embargo was institutionalized.
2: Sorry, so we're we'll just take a moment. We're going to have a, a quick commercial break. But when we come back, we're going to talk about the initiatives that you've got going to end this truth embargo. So this is Anne Gelsheimer on Conscious Evolution Radio, and we will be back shortly with my guest, Stephen Bassett.
0: The 7th Wave Channel on The Voice America Network.
5: Could you be the next legendary leader? That question hinges on your courage and willingness to change. Join Maria Danley every week for Legendary Leaders Answering the Higher Calling. Be inspired by stories and legend and listen to legendary guests along with live channeling to help you answer your higher calling and become the legendary leader you are destined to be. The world is waiting for you. Step up and join the wave. Tune in every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America 7th Wave channel.
4: Search Voice America at your favorite app store.
5: With the divorce rate staggering in the Western world and a majority of men and women sleeping with someone other than their spouse, we need to look at relationships and marriage from another point of view. Listen for Contract for Love with your host, Lori J. Contracts are the best way to protect ourselves and our children from a society of broken marriages. You'll learn more about relationships than you ever thought possible. Tune in to Contract for Love every Wednesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on 7th Wave.
0: We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up? The Voice America Seventh Wave Channel. Be extraordinary. Be the change.
1: You are tuned in to Conscious Evolution Radio, and we love to hear from you. Please send any questions or comments about the show via email to Conscious Evolution Radio at gmail.com. Again, that's Conscious Evolution Radio at gmail.com. Now, back to this week's program.
2: Hello, this is Anne Gelsheimer, and welcome back to Conscious Evolution Radio. And my guest today, Stephen Bassett, has been explaining the truth embargo. And what we really want to focus on in this final segment is what is happening, what initiatives do you have going to end this truth embargo, and what can we do?
3: Uh, After uh, six and a half decades and a a lot of work by a lot of people, we finally, I think, got to a point where we had a chance to to end this policy within the context of, again, this extraordinary situation we're facing where the issue we're trying to address, the government denies, exists. And PRG, which has been a leader in in this advocacy process, um, initiated a three-phase project, which is designed to wrap up the, the, the end the truth embargo this year as soon as early in 19 to 2015 as possible. Uh, the, the first phase was the uh, disclosure petition that was submitted to the White House in, in uh, September 22, 2011, uh, under their own program called We the People. That that petition received enough signatures to get a response from the White House. Um, that response came on November the 4th of 2011, And both the petition and the response are still up on the White House website three years later. You can get to that response and petition by going to the home base for that project, which is DisclosurePetition.org, DisclosurePetition.org. And you can find the first petition, initial disclosure petition, with the link to the White House website. And that response was very profound, very important. The, the, the White House chose to state that there was no evidence at all for any extraterrestrial life, anything outside the planet, and no evidence the government's hidden anything. These are all, of course, faults, completely false. Right. But it was the first time in history that the White House had ever put its position in writing, hmm. which is very, very important if you're yes. advocating on this issue. Right. Now, the job of PRG after that, was to essentially go to do whatever it could to demonstrate to the American media all of that evidence or to, to, which is been out there but to, to create a situation with the american media political media would 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 unavoidably uh, be able to see that wait a minute the the White House says there's no evidence, but here's all the evidence which means the White House policy is a lie, which means the White House is lying about the most important issue in the world today, which normally would trigger a very profound response from the political media, and often has in the past. So we did plenty of things over the next year, but ultimately we raised the money, enough money, to hold the second phase event, which had been in the works and planned for almost 13 years. And that was the citizen hearing on disclosure. So in 2013, May, uh, April 29, May 3, Uh, for a cost of around $750,000, PRG brought 42 witnesses from 10 countries, 17 top researchers and 25 military agency political witnesses to Washington, and they testified for 30 hours over five days in 20 sessions in a mock congressional hearing called the Citizen Hearing on Disclosure held in the ballroom of the National Press Club two blocks from the White House. And this entire 30 hours was filmed. It was also webcast. And it's still and a lot of people have seen it. Mm-hmm. Yes, and there it was a still... good deal of coverage. Right. So what happened there? Well, we, we we brought the highest concentration of witnesses ever brought assembled in one time to produce to, to give thirty hours of testimony and written submissions. The highest concentration of evidence ever put together in a formal event, and they did it in front of six former members of Congress, five former House members, and one former senator. Eighty hours of tenure between them in a mock congressional hearing. That was phase two. Phase three, the final phase, began on November the 5th of last year, the day after the election. On November the 5th of 2014, Paradigm Research Group shipped a 538 10-DVD disc sets to every one of the House and Senate offices. 538, Five hundred and thirty eight. That's fifty three hundred and eighty DVDs. Wow. Containing the entire record of the citizen hearing. All of this evidence presented in a mock congressional hearing format with these forty two witnesses, all of rank and station, for their consideration. Meaning we just handed them a whole bunch of evidence that their president says doesn't even exist. Right. Now in addition to that, we launched a social media campaign. That campaign was designed to make sure that nobody in the Hill was not aware that this this disc this, this was coming and this material was there to be looked at. That social media campaign was run and is being run from three websites. Factsonwashington.org, that's F A X, FactsOnWashington.org, disclosure.media, and the Facebook page the Disclosure Lobby. That social media campaign is now generated probably somewhere in the range of 1 million Twitter messages, Facebook messages with hashtag Disclosure, plus a number of other Twitter and Facebook messages without the hashtag, as well as emails to House and Senate offices. We have the fundamental message, these DVDs have come, look at them, talk to PRG's lobbyists. About that material, and we want hearings for these witnesses. Over one million messages. Now, the next phase starts in two days. I said the next phase. This is the third phase. The next part of this third phase starts in two days on the seventh of January. A the the seventh disclosure petition will go up on the be submitted to the White House, and this petition is simple. It calls for the president to support the convening of congressional hearings immediately for the scores of military agency and political witnesses ready to testify under oath on Capitol Hill before a congressional committee. There are seven that we're targeting. That petition will go up. It'll be up for 30 days. It has to get now 100,000 signatures for a White House response. And I don't know if it will or not. We'll see. But what's important is it's going to be up, and, of course, we're going to... Naturally, the press release has already been sent out. Worldwide press release announcing this so that the press now can be focused on that. So that's going to be underway. And then simultaneously that, starting in a couple of days, the mainstream media campaign gets underway in conjunction with the social media campaign. And we have a professional publicist whose job is to get me on every talk show possible Mm -hmm. in the United States, if it's any relevance to to, 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 the fate of the nation. From MSNBC, CNN to The Daily Show, which I would love to get on, and I hope people will write and email The Daily Show and say, look, it's Steve on interesting okay. guest. So that's going to start. And then I'm going to be approaching the offices, really, um, I'm starting that now. Uh, we're going to shift the social media campaign to focus on just 180 members, roughly, of the seven committees that we're targeting. In other words... There are only seven committees that are appropriate to hold the hearings that we want. That's one hundred and eighty members. We're going to focus the social media on them and of course these are the members I'm going to be approaching right. to try to convince enough of them within one committee to get their chair to call the hearings. Uh, if we can get hearings. If we can get com- to, well, if we can get the commitment and of course have hearings on this subject for the witnesses ready to testify. It will be the first hearings on the subject since nineteen sixty eight and they will be of such a power and will be covered so extensively that the truth embargo will collapse. It cannot survive congressional hearings, not not yeah. some rigged three-person half-day hearing. No, I'm talking days and days and days of hearings for scores of witnesses of rank and station. The truth embargo will collapse. And so, so we, we could so be we, on the verge of seeing the end of this embargo finally, uh, This year, it's very interesting to note that another embargo embargo is in the process of being ended that has a 52-year history, and that is the embargo of the nation of Cuba. It's also interesting to note that one of the persons that influenced the president on this decision was Pope Francis, a paradigm-changing new pope of Catholic faith, 1.2 billion Catholics. It's particularly interesting because since 2000 various Catholic officials, including the Pope, have spoken to the fact that the Catholic Church is completely comfortable and ready to deal with extraterrestrials in our world. Right. All right. Now we just, uh, sorry, Steve, we
2: we just have a minute, I just wanted to let you know.
3: Yes. All right. So... So, so so, so the fact that Pope Francis is involved in that makes me wonder if he might actually try to influence the president to end this other embargo that right. we have. And so we're at a critical point here. We need people to join the social media campaign, to go to... Uh, Disclosure. Media to go to factsonwashington.org, to go to the Facebook page, Disclosure Lobby, get all the, there's in, simple information where they can find the Twitter and email accounts for all the members of Congress and they can Twitter and email as many as they want, as often as they want with these basic messages, which we have examples of at these sites. And uh, soon we want them to then focus on the 180 members of these committees. They can also okay. send so, e- uh, emails I'm, to any member I'm of the sorry, Senate Steve. or to the representatives. Have so that's how they can up, get involved right now. I
2: just want to let people know that uh, the websites that you're talking about are going to be posted on your guest webpage, uh, so they don't have to worry about writing them down. They can go right there, and I'll do what I can in, in future shows to direct people as well. I want to thank you so much for being on the show. It's such a short show. You had so much to say, but I do hope you'd consider coming back
3: sometime. Of course, absolutely. There will be much happening, and uh, you will you'll, we'll definitely want to have another show and talk about the, the developments that are about to unfold.
2: I would love that. So, thank you and best of luck with all your initiatives. I so appreciate your courage. This is Ann Gelsheimer on Conscious Evolution Radio, and thank you for listening.
1: Thank you again for tuning in to Conscious Evolution Radio. Please join Ann Gelsheimer for another great show next Friday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time and 8 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Seventh Wave Channel. We hope to see you next week.